welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. My name is Dan Ledbetter, and with me as always, the lovely, talented, vivacious CEO founder and resident mama bird of Little Bird Marketing, Priscilla McKinney. Good morning, Priscilla. Good morning. I feel like, again, it's just like, you know, the piano from the bottom key up to the top. It kind of is. <laughs> and that's what I love about this. It's it's kind of like we have our own piano bar in Barstow or something. Well, I don't, you know, if I didn't podcast with you, we'd have to find some other way that we could hang out and chat. I know, right? No kidding. <laughs> I Good love Lord. this. I love, I, I look forward to this so much. It is. Well, now, speaking of things you look forward to, like, uh, tell me this, because especially being a business owner, mm-hmm. and I've I've owned a couple of at-home businesses, but mm-hmm. it's a little bit different when you actually have a, a brick-and-mortar building. Like, yeah. what are, like, when you walk in the door, like, what, what is it first thing in the morning when you walk through those doors, mm-hmm. other than the coffee machine and whatever pastries somebody <laughs> brought, what is it that you're looking forward to? Well, I do, as you know, have amazingly awesome doors at the front, and you I have that do. Sterling Cooper moment when I walk in with the super fancy waiting room. So you do. I love that part, but probably the first thing when I walk in. Okay. Oh, I, I you know, I love my job. Well, yeah, I, exactly. I find my job so interesting. In fact, I was just thinking the other day. Really? I've only owned this for six years. I've been doing this in some other form or function, some different way, but. I've only owned this for six years. I almost can't conceive of myself doing a different job. Like it it actually was just two days ago because I was standing over a designer and we were discussing this concept and I was just like, okay, move it over here. And this, you know, I was just working with them on this concept. It was just this collaborative moment. And I'm like, man, I was made for this. Wow. And I, I, I really had to, you know, like stretch my mind. What was I doing 10 years ago that was for work? You know, it was just so, so bizarre. I mean, this is so soaked down to every pore of my being. So I I literally have a hard time remembering what it was like doing my old jobs. Isn't that, that actually seems like that would be a sign that you're doing something right. Yeah, yeah. But how I look, you know, I think the things that I'm looking forward to when I walk in, in the day, I'm looking for like one of three things. And this is really a paradigm i have in my mind at all times, which I know you're always scared and shocked when I say I have a paradigm that I'm about to share. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm, bra- oh, what, I'm bracing myself right now. But I'm really clear with clients that here's my transparent, selfish motivation. I am actively out there looking for new clients who are amazing, better than your average bear premier, knocking it out of the park, great process, like really this fantastic company in performance, like from nine to 10, they've got a great product, they know what they're doing, etc. But their marketing is about a two to three. Mm. So I am actively seeking that company. (laughs) Because for me, selfishly, that's amazing, great work with with real some immediate gratification. And the client is happy very quickly. And it's good for morale here. And you know, all these kinds of things, just all the selfish things that I love. All my job is is then to tell the truth. Their marketing has been lying about them for a long time. Their marketing makes them look they're like they're incompetent or maybe not. It doesn't shine like they shine. So I feel like my mantra of authenticity is that I'm looking for those people who need authenticity in marketing, meaning they need to bring their marketing up to that nine or 10 right. because that is the truth about their company and they have held that as a secret for so long. 
So that's one thing. When I walk in the office, I'm like, I love the idea that, oh, who's next? Who's next? (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. Who's next? Right. Come on. So my other thing, and like I said, I mean, I hold these three things in my mind all the time. But my second one is that I'm always looking for like an interesting place for a company to be put in the market. Like I want to understand where do they belong in the marketplace that is them. Okay. Right. So, okay. You have Coke, you have Fanta, you have Pepsi, and then you have Snapple. Okay. Which I know that, you know, most of them are owned by someone else, by the same, one of the same or whatever. But that's for the sake of this. But they're three, but they're three, uh, three or four unique brands. Right. Right. Right? You can't lump them all into the same genre exactly so Porto Hemplo. where does Fanta belong in the marketplace you know where does Snapple belong Snapple found out they belong with you know they, they tried to make this push for like hip and young and they even even some of their commercials years ago were were you remember when they made the be this big high school push like to be really popular among teens. Do you remember? Oh no, I don't. Like and they, you know, the snap top, you know, where you read the, you know, it's always something funny on the bottom right, of right. You know, the top. That that whole thing. So they found their place in the market. Oh. You know, and that is different from Coke, and that Coke is ubiquitous, and you know, you can you can sell Coke to anyone. I mean, right. you know. Right. So uh, anyway, that I like this idea of how do companies find their place in the market? And even, I think it's because that was an experience that I loved about our journey. Little Bird Marketing, we're not for everybody. I guarantee you, only Coke and Pepsi are for everybody. Right. <laughs> Other than that, you have got to find your place in the market. And you have to understand it and own it and, you know, carve out your place in your particular market. So I'm looking for people who, companies who either don't know what their place in the market is. They still are in that mentality. I think I'm for everybody. I don't know. You know, it's like they don't really, they haven't honed in to who their persona or who their ideal client is. Right. So what is their place in the market? And the other thing to that is we work in B2B and B2C. So business to business or business to consumer world. We we move back and forth from both. But in this little area, I really love I get a lot of juices flowing when I talk to B2B. Yeah. Because there's more opportunity. There's been less work done in my opinion at most places who are truly business to business. Right. In really understanding their place in the market and honing in on their ideal client. And so when I come in in the morning, a lot of times I'm excited about that. Who am I going to find that it's very easy to uncover a B2B client who's never had that conversation? Yeah, it's almost like panning for gold, I would think. I'm serious. Oh, my gosh. That would explain some of the addiction I feel with my job. <laughs> I think so. It's like the only thing missing is like a mule and a pick. <laughs> well, let me work on that. <laughs> yeah, you should just have like a – you should go to a feed store or something and get a get a fake plastic mule and have it in your waiting room. Well, you know what? I like where you're going with this. I'm, I'm just saying, thank <laughs> God you didn't uh, hire me as your interior designer. Right, right. Well, it's kind of like those do this, do this, ask me how. Right. You know, it could be like our ask me how mule. They, it's not oh, possible that's... for you to walk into our lobby and not see the mule. Yeah, right. <laughs> so that would make people say, I'm sorry, tell me about the mule. Right, exactly. And then I could have this conversation, which would be so great. Yeah, see, there, that's a freebie. I'm not even going to charge you for that oh, one. Thank you so much. I, uh, I just want a picture of me next to the mule. FYI, I don't need more conversation starters. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out that's not that's not where there's a real dearth. But... Uh, yeah, there's, there's no lack. <laughs> 
Oh, but the the third thing I always keep in mind is I'm looking for opportunities to be creative. Right. Right. And that kind of comes into play too. The same thing I mentioned with B2B and B2C is that a lot of times I like working with B2B about that because they typically, nobody's ever approached them with creativity. Right. I joke around that we do a lot of unsexy work. I mean, I'll be talking about risk assessment for businesses, workman's comp policies. Next minute, I'm writing epic content about turbine engines. The next segment of my day is I'm writing copy for awnings or retractable awnings. I mean, you know, it's just like other people look at that and think that's really unsexy work. But man, let me tell you, that work pays the bills. And I don't mean for us pays the bills. I mean, these are amazing companies producing quality stuff and nobody has approached them with creativity or anything outside of that B2B box. It's like B2B is still moving at like the old school pace and and nobody wants to do something different. And so when you do something, when a client lets you do something different for B2B, they shine in their marketplace, which brings me back to number two, which is I'm looking for an opportunity to let a client find their place in the market and shine in it, you know, which brings me back to number one, which is, you know, before they probably didn't have a good marketing plan, but they really are amazing. Right. Now, why do you think that is? Why do you think that there is that lack? Well, I I do think it's the first thing I said was I do think that business to business has just moved slower. They are like molasses and adopting some of the things. Let's just take social media, for example. Okay. A lot of companies woke up very soon to social media, Mm -hmm. right? If they had a consumer product. Right. Like, hey, if people are on Facebook, Mm -hmm. we're on Facebook, right? But that even took time. A lot of people were thinking, is Facebook a fad? I still had people, now, I, you know, I still had people, companies saying that who had consumer products even just six years ago. Mm. You think we really need a Facebook account? Do you think we need to get into social media? Is that Twitter yeah. thing that I know? But And it's hard for me to go back and be really truthful about that era because I tend to think, no, they didn't say that. Yes, they did. Yeah. They did say that. And and they were, they were legitimate concerns. People are just, they're afraid to completely sink their teeth and i.e. their marketing budget into right. something that is a fad. Right. Um, so, but I think out of necessity, because some companies really got it right in the consumer-based area, you know, with social media and then even with apps. I mean, think about where apps exploded. Oh, yeah. You know, I think that it just forced competition, you know, and it's it's on a couple of levels. Number one, I'll say like the explosion of social media and apps and things like that. But secondly, you know, business to consumer marketing really got good much sooner about carefully crafted messages, you know, really good offers, free shipping. I mean, I I don't know, fill in the blank, because they realized that they were having to compete online yes, and offline. Yes. Maybe it was market pressure that made them get good. I don't know. But then I think there's like brand pressure, like talk about the 90s and early 2000s, you know, and and obviously there were vanguards, front runners of, of great companies who either got social justice right or who just really got their brand right, like Apple. <laughs> what are some other ones like that, like okay. like Apple that have that massive loyal? Uh, well, uh, here's here's one that had it and then lost it would be like Xerox. Mm. I mean, well, even today that moniker is still used as a generic term. Mm-hmm. Here, I'm going to go Xerox this. Right, right. You know, kind of like how we use Google. Right, right. but you know what? They've they've more recently found their footing again because of cloud and basically looking at streamlining massive corporate systems. And so, yeah, they've had they've talk about market pressure. Yeah, they've had to totally change. But even like things as silly as you know Ben and Jerry's, people who really understood brand. I mean, really, it's it's ice cream people. 
Right. But man, that's a but, but they built a but they built <laughs> a subculture around exactly. it. You know what I mean? It's like we talked about in one of our last podcasts where we were talking about labeling the generation people. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And Ben and Jerry's, I mean, you know, they were the hippies back in the day, and now they're in a position where they can actually take some of the ideals and market that feeling and that air of mm -hmm. of freedom and expression and all those things and market it into a pint of ice cream. Well, I think that's a perfect example and follow suit with that is like Burt's Bees or Tom's. Yes. You know, these yes. kinds of things. And let's call that what it is. That's a little bit of a lifestyle marketing approach. Yes. I want is. to put the Tom's sticker on my Trapper Keeper. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to say that. But what's the modern equivalent of that? You know, oh, gosh, you right. know kids put it on, you know, their skateboard or put, you know, um, you know, kids these days. This is we're going to go back to our generation. <laughs> um, you know, but even you think about like they Tom's really appealed to that 30s and 40s crowd. Even, you know, we don't hesitate to buy our kids those shoes at that price because of the whole thing that stands behind that brand. Right. Uh, buy the shoes. Someone else is getting shoes. Great. And it is a lifestyle choice because you really don't need to pay that much for shoes. Right. You can't go buy $4 shoes. It is still possible to do in this country. Yes. Yeah. Right. And you're buying in, you're buying into a feeling and you're buying into a, a social concept mm -hmm. is what I've, is what I've always said about that because it does, it makes you feel like you're doing something good. Mm -hmm. But you're not putting out that much effort. Right. And your friend and mine, Todd Gardner, who works for me yes. now, yes. he's newer in this, this whole marketing realm. And I was explaining to him yesterday that people who think they're not uh, sensitive to market marketing, you know, tactics, they're actually the worst. They, they've yes. taken their goal because they're not awake and alive to what is happening to them. Right. I see marketing messages for what they are and I can evaluate them. Oh, I get they're trying to pull on my heartstrings to do this. You know, I mean, hello, Sarah McLaughlin. Right. I will. Be, you're all. Oh my gosh! Stop it! Don't <laughs> I know. Here, save the chihuahua. <laughs> so this is these are marketing tactics, right? Right. Right. But then you still have to be able to extricate yourself and then evaluate what you want. Well, that's lifestyle marketing, right? Yes. Well, I explained to him. I gave him the best example. Is many years ago, I bought the Volvo Cross Country because of an ad. I, I just straight up, I, it was like a picture of the, the cross country up on rocks, kind of like Big Sur. It looked like, oh, yeah, rugged right. like that. And it had a surfboard on the top. And it was like in this nice pewter color and the, like the, the contrast of the beautiful black, like volcanic rocks and the spray coming up from the ocean. Okay. And this is so true because number one, I don't surf. I'm never going to surf. <laughs> number two, I don't even like going to the beach. Number really? three, I don't live in Northern California. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just the whole thing. But it was a lifestyle. They sold me. Don't you want other people to perceive you like right. this? Yeah, right. I do. And also, it was an affluence. It was a lifestyle ad they sold me. And I mean, they convinced me. I had that feeling when I bought that car. And I, I'm, I Steve and I are whore. Do not ever drop us off at a car lot. Oh, good Lord. We love new cars. <laughs> I, 
Yeah, I, you you and my wife uh, would get along great at a car lot. She does not hide her emotions at all. God, I love cars. You know, we've just been watching like this BBC history thing about the Perry Dakar rallies. Oh, good lord! God, I love this stuff. But I anyway, know. see, I digress. But lifestyle. So, <laughs> <laughs> lifestyle. but that's a perfect example. I mean, in car manufacturers, mm-hmm. especially over the last fifteen years, maybe no, I'll even say twenty years, mm-hmm. have changed their advertising at, mm-hmm. from a utilitarian based focus to a lifestyle focus remember when those infinity ads came out and people were going where the hell's the car yeah it's like a beach and a sunset Uh and an infinity logo right i don't get it what are they selling me Uh you know they're they're selling you a feeling they're selling you an emotion a Uh a concept like you get this car you're going to be sitting there looking at the sunset and it's all going to be great well that follows right into the corona commercial they say nothing they just oh, the person are, sitting on the beach and looking out at the brilliant. sunset, and all you can see there is a Corona bottle there. But there, I want someone. It's just like the breeze. You just hear the breeze. Right. You know, right. man, I want to feel like that. I want to feel like that. So I'm going to pop open, even though I'm sitting in my apartment. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to pop open a Corona, and I'm going to have that feeling. Because it's they want to sell you the lifestyle that you don't have or that you want. I mean, how many times have you said, "Man, I wish I was at the beach right now having a beer." Right. Well, I say that a lot, but maybe not about the beach. <laughs> I do that first thing in the morning. It's like people offer me a mimosa. I'm like, yes, hold the orange juice. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm sorry, there's too much orange juice in Hold this. the beach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, this is my point about that. I think we're totally in agreement about what business to consumer has done and how great yes. they have been at it. But this is what's so interesting. Business to business for the most part, has not tapped into the excellence that is there about really understanding the consumer. And I know that people think, oh, it's B2B. It's a business buying from a business. Okay, there's a person behind that business. It's still people who buy from people. So why do different rules apply? And here's one answer I had to that, I feel, is that a lot of people respond to me saying, well, it's, you know, what we sell is not sexy. It's not a cool car and it's not a bottle of cold beer. I'm like, yeah, but why why should that stop us? And that's where they get stuck, you know? So they, I need to help those clients understand, first of all, if you have a trucking fleet that is running and you logistically need a very reliable source of turbine engines, you know, that meet or exceed OEM standards, this is sexy work and I'll show you how it's sexy. Right. And not only that, but I'm going to start looking at and understanding the client, understanding the person yes. at that company that has to procure those turbine engines and needs those things. And I am going to start thinking about that lifestyle. I am going to start thinking about where their eyeballs are, i.e. social media, right. LinkedIn, etc. And I am going to think about carefully crafting a message, but more than anything, I'm going to start thinking about how I could be useful to that right person who needs to purchase my product. And that's where I think business to business falls short. They don't really understand the bigger problems, you know, of it, but you know, so yeah, they're stuck. I think they're stuck in a product mentality, right? right? It's, it's, I mean, a perfect example. As soon as you said that the first thing that popped in my mind, well, Oh, absolutely. Just go on any airplane and pick up the in-flight magazine. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Here's a fiber optic network cable that will revolutionize your business. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, that's like the most boring thing. Why? It, as, a, as a person who's kind of into that stuff, I'm even going, that is the most boring thing ever. Right. 
So if I'm the guy who's actually making the purchase, there's nothing there that says, oh, my God, I need this. This is going to change my life. Well, again, you haven't tapped into the persona. What are the challenges that particular person is facing? What, right. you know, is it that they don't look good in front of their boss? They're not smart. Right. This, market the thing. this will make you look smart to your boss. <laughs> right. Yeah, we can make you a superhero. But that's the thing. It's people buying from people. And I hate, oh, gosh, it's just so, you know, it's so trite. But it, that's true. And that's what we have to do as a process. And that's about relationship building and building trust, which is why we are such believers in inbound marketing. It all comes back to that. Now, explain, give me this, because I've heard that term over and over Mm -hmm. and over and over and over again. But break it down for me, because I might be off on what I think inbound marketing is. Well, honestly, you wouldn't be alone. I, especially where I live, you know, inbound marketing has been around for 10 years, but let me assure right. you that most businesses may just be really waking up to it. But this is the reality of marketing future, period. And it's really about, at the core, I believe, understanding that consumers are now in control like they mm. never have been before. It is really unprecedented. And we joke around about how, you know, the iPhone came around in 2007. We joke around about it. It's still true. (laughs) You know, we joke around about it in that it's like, can you imagine? I mean, just just conceive for a moment of the computing that's in your hand. Oh, good Lord. Well, what what has been that effect? And now buying behaviors are wrapped up in these little operating systems of devices we carry around. And everything from, you know, why newspapers are failing, why TV is going to have to change their whole thinking, why print media, why all these traditional what we would call outbound strategies or outbound marketing, why they are all having to completely rethink their life. Even look at the TV station, you know, the TV. Now they're um, what can you stream online? And I'll show you this show after streaming and I can buy a 10 second pre-roll if someone wants to watch the clip of what happened on the news last night. I can put an ad right in front of it. You can't go online and get what you want for free without having to either pay, you know, pay for an ad, have to watch an ad. Even as funny to me because Hulu, I pay for it and I still have to watch the ad. (laughs) I'm like, how much do, okay, I know I'm only paying you like $7 a month, but how much do I have to pay you to never watch an ad again? Right, right. Um, But to go back to that, inbound marketing is truly a paradigm shift at businesses to understand that consumers are now in control and their buying behaviors are different and they are in a sales process at very strange times. So, you know, let me ask you this. Do you love getting cold calls? Oh, no, I hate them. Okay. Do you want to be bothered in the middle of dinner? Absolutely not. Okay. And do you like for someone to call you and create a need that you don't have? No. So in general, you don't like being interrupted? No. (laughs) (laughs) Not really. I mean, it's like, uh, it's it's absolutely the worst. Like, this happened yesterday, for a matter of fact. Like, I still, even though I filled out that online form that says, please don't ever call me in the history of the world, (laughs) it's like... I we get should put those. that link in here. <laughs> oh, good heavens. No no kidding, right? Well, apparently it doesn't work right. because I keep getting calls from these places. Hello, you've been selected for a three-day vacation at blah, blah, blah. If you want to hear about our timeshare, it's like, no, I don't want to hear about your timeshare. And it's like, I, don't tell me I've won something because I didn't win anything. Right. Right. Oh, gets, don't get me started. I could go on a rant about but that. You, but that's the thing. Who could you not scrape, just put a little scratch? I, I, I didn't even scratch anything, you know, and you're already bleeding. 
Right, it's true. <laughs> Everybody is sick and tired of being sick and tired of the same stuff. It's disingenuous. It's it's old school. It's like, I hey, I wasn't looking for a vacation. I wasn't, you know, it's so interruptive. Right. And enter these amazing, powerful devices we have in our hand, or it's now commonplace. We'll just Google it. Yeah. And yeah, I hate to give a shout out for Google as opposed to any other search engine, but that's just the reality. I'm just talking yeah. to reality. That is what people do. They go to Google. It still is the number one website. In the history of the <laughs> history. world. Yeah. So when you look at Alexa ranking, still number one. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But, but see, but this is the thing, Priscilla. If, if nobody likes that, and it's mm-hmm. pretty much a given that, Nobody likes telemarketing. Right. Why then is it still so prevalent? Is it because the mindset hasn't changed or caught up? It's kind of like because they have to be getting something. Yeah. Oh, it still works. The question is, what industries does it stop working in? Just like um, a lot of industries become commoditized, mm. it takes it has a certain life cycle to it. And you have fewer people still trying to do it. You still have people who are less savvy in the market, you know, place who still will put up with that crap. And so, believe me, they wouldn't do it if it's not profitable. It works on somebody. My hypothesis is that it works on people who think they don't fall prey to marketing, that they're so smart. That makes sense, right. But you do have a lot of baby boomers, and a lot of them have not been exposed who are not, like, really savvy to the wiles of these sales tactics because they grew up in those sales tactics. Right. And if you act now or this, I mean, listen, this happened. My dad did just a couple of years ago and I'm like, oh my gosh, what? You did what? How many of us have had that kind of an experience? Right. right. And it just pains us. But somebody that you know has gotten Fall into trouble based on something like this. But my point is this, is that with Google and what I'm saying is that people want to solve the problem they have on their own. Mm. Sometimes people do it at midnight once all the kids are in bed. And now I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired about XYZ. I'm going to go Google it. Right. How am I going to solve my problem? So inbound marketing really, in the most simplest form, how I could explain it effectively is to say that inbound marketing is like a paradigm of view, a way of having your strategy set up so that you show up, your company shows up, your product shows up, your solution shows up when someone is looking for you, when they are actively buying. Now, I'm going to put one caveat on that. They may be showing signs of actively buying that they don't know you're the solution. Okay, I'm going to make a for example. I just was talking with a client this morning. They do vision therapy. One of the problems that they solve is that if your kid is failing in school, it may be a vision-related learning disability, Mm. right? That's basically been undiagnosed. Right, right. Okay, so you have that, right? So here's the problem. So I could go out and put vision therapy, but the problem is, is that that mom at midnight doesn't know she's looking for vision therapy. Right. So I can't go and optimize for vision therapy because she's never going to understand that that's her solution. Yes. She is, her active buying signals may be her, you know, searching for words like tutoring or why is my... Why is Johnny failing math? Why why is my child failing math? Why is, you know, behavioral problems in the classroom? Blah, blah, blah. Okay, so I've got to think several steps back about what are the things that happen in my ideal client's world that trigger their need for us. Mm. And so I want to be ultimately helpful to my potential client. 
not right. harmful and interruptive and cold calling and create a need. You know, I don't want to be like uh, have to have to call someone up and say, like, do you feel in your heart you have a hole, the shape of a turbo <laughs> engine? I have those products and this need can be fulfilled. So right. I use that because that's totally ridiculous. But people do that. Like I need a turbo engine like I need another hole in my head. I'm right. not your market. And that's what it comes down to, spending your money well, your marketing budget well, targeting it and understanding it. So right. if it's not targeted, you're wasting a lot of money. So really, inbound marketing is not only helpful, but it also gives bigger results because you are really just spending your marketing dollars on the people who truly have a need that you, know, that you can solve. Right. Uh, does right. that help understand what it is? It so totally does. It basically, to boil it down, it's uh, working smarter, not harder. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but you know that you know people talk about you know when the when really this first started going, people talked about you know showing up when someone's actively looking for you. That's like kind of what we call the attraction phase, attract right. you know the, your best client, and they really relied heavily on SEO, search engine optimization. optimization and right. I, I, I again, I hate throwing acronyms out, and I know a lot of people do know that, but all that is is a fancy way for saying if you type in failing math, what is that optimized for? Who? It, what? Right. What is the result that's going to be delivered, and, and is it going to be delivered on the front page? Is vision therapy going to be the number one thing that shows up on that page? And this just right. brushed my mind because it just had this conversation. But this is how businesses have to think, whether they're B2C or B2B. They have to be thinking about, I need to spend my marketing dollars attracting really the right people. And whether that's in blog, how I write my blog and epic content, which is what I love. I'm a big proponent of epic content, but or whether that content is going on social media or if I'm using my keywords or if I'm building these awesome custom landing pages that really address particular problems for people, whatever that is, the whole point is that you're showing up for someone that is truly looking for you and you're serving up to them a solution for a problem they actually have. Right, mm -hmm. right. So, and that's why I try and tell people, be helpful. You know, like, for example, in the case of turbine engines or, you know, metal manufacturing, when you translate that over to B2B, what is someone who constantly is procuring sheets of metal, what is useful to them? If you created a ultimate guide to metal, what do you call that? Like, width, it's not widths or, you know, specifications for cutting certain oh, right, size of right. metal or or maybe you create a chart that's like the ultimate guide to the mixes of metal why aluminum why steel maybe there's a flow chart when do i choose this one or when do i choose this product in manufacturing right. you know putting yourself in the position of that buyer what is helpful to them it, you can see that very easily in business to consumer i could send before the holidays to a consumer and say here is the ultimate shopping checklist for everybody on your list and I, they're like oh download that yeah i want to download this it kind of walks me through a little worksheet of everybody I need to buy for, setting my budget up, and this is going to appeal to very type A personalities. And at the bottom, you could brand it with your store. Okay? Mm. That makes total sense. This is what right. I do all day, Dan. <laughs> that makes total <laughs> sense from business to consumer. But what is that equivalent in business to business? Those are right. people who have needs, and they need checklists, and they need ultimate guides, and they need some kind of a quiz or some kind of a worksheet to help them work through their problem and understand in their own exploration and on their own time and in their own unique way, because, again, people like to solve their problem on their own, to let them know, go through the paces, is my solution 
the right thing for you. Let them do that some on their own as opposed to you calling and making that forced sales call and be like, let me show you how you need this turbine engine. (laughs) You know, let them make that decision on their own. And then when they do come to you and they show all those amazing buying signals, now you've got the right kind of fish on the hook because you used the right bait. Yeah. Wow, it's so odd because it does seem like the B2B advertising business is sort of a new, not a new frontier, but it's it's really an untapped oh, frontier. Oh, I, I would totally agree. But gosh, I'm so glad we just recorded what I just said because I've never said it clearer probably. <laughs> well, see, that's the beauty of the podcast. Oh, I do love this. I think sometimes when you ask, you ask me a genuine question, you know, it's just like, Man, that is just, I'm so passionate about that. It is so mm-hmm. the way I think. It's so my heart for businesses. I believe in radical profitability. And so, you know, I don't want to spend my time at work if it's not going to be radically profitable. And I don't expect my clients to do so either. You know, we've got to maximize the hours of the day, what they have to, and so that means we need to get their products and solutions in front of the people who will be like, wow, that was a mind-blowing solution to my problem. I love that you just served that up to me. That reminds me of an example of that. I think I've mentioned it to you before, but this was at the very beginning of really targeting when B2C really understood that you had to target. And as Guy Kawasaki says, who we both love, (laughs) social media is God's gift to entrepreneurs. It is. Well, I remember sitting in my bedroom one time late at night, I was on Facebook and all of a sudden an ad got served up to me that said, Sarah Groves in concert. And I'm like looking around the room. I'm like, wow, that was freaky. How did I, this is a very niche entertainer, right? singer songwriter. And who's just totally right up my alley. And she was going to be within 60 miles of me for this Christmas concert. She doesn't even live in this area. She never comes on tours in this area, you know? And I'm like, wow. I clicked on it. That's what I bought. I bought like, I think 12 tickets. And that's what we, my husband and I gave to all of our friends for that Christmas. We went and all did, went and saw that Christmas concert together. Hmm. That was helpful marketing that served something up to me that was relevant. Now, in this case, I was not actively, you know, showing signs of buying concert tickets. But in this case, my profile on Facebook, and this is how, you know, it, it, it's genius. I had marked that that's a favorite singer of mine. Right. Instead of her, who's a very small artist and has a niche audience, instead of her buying ads across Facebook for a 100-mile radius from this concert, why not just pay 10% of that cost and serve those ads up only to people who already say they love you? Right. And so, you know, people might be creeped out by the information we're giving on social media, but you know what? I love it. I don't get stupid ads on the side of my Facebook in the sense that uh, I might get stupid ads, but they are about products I would probably buy. Right, right. And, you know, so on the side of my Facebook, you see constantly shoes, (laughs) (laughs) boots, clothing, jewelry. This is stuff I buy online all the time. Yeah, it's it's actually very funny. I mean, in one sense, it's I'm I'm thankful that uh, that a I am in this business not so much from a marketing well I guess kind of a, from a marketing standpoint because I'm going out and looking for best deals on everything and I'm aware of how marketing works, which in some ways is awesome. Right. But in some ways, I'm kind of like that guy that'll fall for any. Amazing marketing scheme. <laughs> you did buy the snuggie. <laughs> I did buy a snuggie. No, and- no, no. You admitted you bought two. Up, uh, yeah. Was, uh, thanks for bringing that <laughs> up again. Are we still right? friends? Yeah. Well, yeah. You're getting a snuggie for Christmas. Okay. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> 
But uh, it's very interesting because as I'm doing my work throughout the day, Facebook is watching me. Like, I did this thing on pet costumes for Halloween, right? And I'm, like, going there, and I always, you know, switch back and forth and check Facebook. And then I switch to Facebook, and there in the suggested ads is, like, are you still interested in that Freddy Krueger chihuahua outfit? Right. <laughs> I'm going, good God, that's like, yeah. they know who I am. Yeah, it's I it's amazing. Yeah. And and I think that, that that is so perfect because I'm going, you know what? Like, if I had a chihuahua, I'd buy that. Right. I know. I would totally And, and the thing that. is, you did give off the buying signals. And so I you are guess. worthy of sending that because you're the kind of person, if that vampire costume was really that great, you might consider just going and buying a chihuahua for it. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. If it came, if it <laughs> came bundled you. with a chihuahua. And so, I mean, that's, you know, that that's kind of inbound marketing in a nutshell. But you asked me, what do I love about my business? I love being able to bring really honed in, customized, targeted solutions to help bring more profit. I just love, I, I love that game. And you're right. You hit it right. You know, that it is, it feels like panning for gold for me. Mm-hmm. And I get really enlivened about that. That's what I want to do. And also I get really excited every day walking in because we've done inbound marketing for a long time, but we used to do it all manually. And now we have an amazing software system that, you know, puts everything in one place and talk about everybody always wants ROI, you know, return on investment for right their marketing dollars. Well, that's just not possible with everything. But let me tell you, if you have a great inbound marketing system, you will like fall on the floor looking at the reports. And it's, it's literally mind blowing. And I love it because now I can actually make decisions based on what is truly happening in the market and not gut because there is so much about entrepreneurship you have to do on gut. Yes. You got to build that relationship, build that trust, but ultimately if you don't get information back, you are going to waste your money to some degree. And literally when we do demos with people on inbound marketing, they have to get over their creeped out moment where they realize how much we know about buyers. Right. <laughs> and then once they're over it, they're like, "We want this." Yes. <laughs> you know. Yes. And, and that's what I, I think it. is you have to get past that the tipping point of oh my gosh, they know everything about me and I'm I'm freaked out and I want to get off of everything mm-hmm. to how can I maximize this? How can I leverage the power that's here? Embrace it because I don't want to be interrupted and I don't want a cold call. I only want right. you to serve up something to me that is relevant to me and helpful to me. So right. do me the favor. To me, really, you know, switching your paradigm and, and really moving to inbound marketing is you as a company loving your end user and saying, I will tailor what, you know, I will be helpful. I will provide things that are of value to you in exchange for this relationship. And I love, I love that. So, Well, Priscilla, this has been amazing. Holy cats. It's like, I, <laughs> number one, I've, I've learned two new acronyms. I, and here I thought B2C was actually an English broadcasting company. Oh, stop, I stop. I'm what kidding, acronyms I'm did kidding. you learn? Uh, well, actually, I, uh, I knew of B2B, uh-huh. but honestly, when you said B2C, I'm going, wait a minute. What's B2C? Business to, what is B2C? See, what we've is- talked about this. This podcast is like demystifying marketing. So exactly. don't, even if I think it's like, well, obvious, I, I just, I got to say it. And maybe someone out there, one person, you know, gets right. a little bit demystified and feels less stupid next time they talk about really my favorite subject was how do we make more money and how do I make more money for my clients? And that's And that's what I think is so so much fun about this is because it you're talking to people in a way that doesn't make them feel stupid. I mean, mm-hmm. because I, I know marketing, but I don't know all the intricacies mm-hmm. 
about what certain things are called, like inbound marketing. I didn't know what the hell inbound marketing was. What's that? So now I know what inbound marketing is. And I'm going, oh, crap. Like, I've, I've been served up inbound marketing, like, for a million years and didn't even realize right, it. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, cool. You're welcome. <laughs> Here, help. Uh, let me let me PayPal you some money right, right now. Hey, I love it. <laughs> the best ending of my podcast. <laughs> exactly. Well, listeners, of course, we want to hear from you, and we want to hear your experience about B2B, B2C, inbound marketing, and all the other stuff that we talked about today. And so if you would, could you please leave us a comment on our Facebook page, on the Little Bird Marketing website, or wherever you downloaded this podcast from. So from Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast, this has been Dan Ledbetter along with Priscilla McKinney saying have a great day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.